Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Happy Valentine's Day, Heather. Well, happy Valentine's Day, Rose. Do you celebrate Valentine's Day? No, I don't. Yeah, me either, really. I like the chocolate. I love you. I love friends. I love my friends. It's friends. I love you. We could eat chocolate in each other's honor, right? (laughs) I think that's a good good thing. We should have had chocolate here for today's episode. But So today being the day of love, we have a lot of love on today's episode. But I want to start by showcasing uh, feedback that we got from one of our listeners. And we love our listeners. Yeah. And we received a message from Chloe, who lives in the United Kingdom. And this is what she said. I have just finished episode one of One Single Thought. I knew within 20 minutes that I want to keep listening. I'm 32 and tired of single seminars about preparing for marriage. I don't think you mentioned it once. I don't have any examples of older single women that have remained in my life. You both sound wonderful genuine and joyful even though life has brought surprises i will keep listening with open ears please continue and be encouraged this is what single women need for sure that's awesome isn't that awesome we love you chloe because we know you're listening but thanks for sending in that feedback we love that and um anytime you all want to send in feedback topic suggestions or whatever you could do what chloe did which is go to ask me anything on my site rosebooth.net and leave your comments suggestion topic suggestions right there maybe one day and i'm saying one day because i don't know when it'll happen but maybe one day i'll make a website for our Yes. Podcast. Yes. Which I probably should. Because probably by the time you're listening to this episode, we will have hit 5,000 downloads, which is mm-hmm. our first big milestone. So yes, we could... I'll add that to my lengthy to-do list. That's right. <laughs> Heather and I have this bad habit, I guess, of adding things to our list of growing things to do, like we don't have anything to do. And... <laughs> but... In the meantime, you can always leave your comments and suggestions for topics on my website at rosebooth.net. So speaking of love, Heather, today we are interviewing a lady that we both love dearly, Mm -hmm. Jalen Cook. So why don't you share why we decided to interview Jalen and a little bit about her? Well, if you don't know Jalen Cook because you don't go to our church if you're not from around here. NAOBC.org. NAOBC.org. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the wife of Dr. Bill Cook, who we interviewed back in November, I believe. She is his wife of 40 years. She has three kids and seven grandkids and two grand dogs. Mm-hmm. She's the co-director of the Women's Ministry. She's the director of Our Ladies BFG. She's the monthly teacher to our preschool. She serves our church in so many ways. So as she is um, the wife to Dr. Bill Cook, who is a professor of New Testament at Southern Seminary, Jaylen is a faculty wife and able to teach the women at the Seminary Wives Institute. She's done this for 22 years. Her specialty is discipleship of women. I will say that I'll link in the show notes to Dr. Cook's interview. So if you haven't listened to that, you can go back and listen to that as well. Like with our interview with Dr. Cook, we're going to base our one single thought for the episode on her final thought in the interview. And so we will say that to the end and sum up her conversation with us into our one single thought. So Rose, let's go ahead and listen to our interview with Jalen. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jaylen, for joining us today. We interviewed Dr. Cook uh, a couple of months ago, and now we get to have you on our, our episode. So we're real excited about that. Oh, I'm excited to join you guys. So I know that you're a pastor's wife and you wear a lot of hats to support Dr. Cook, but I know that your your real passion is for women and discipleship. So can you share just maybe a short summary, because it could go on for days. That's right. How, it's my favorite subject. Yeah, <laughs> how you actually minister to women at Ninth and O. Sure. Yes. So part of the way that I minister and and probably one of my main ministries has in discipleship of women has been through Our Ladies BFG that three of us get to do together, just being a part of their lives. And for some of them, it has been over a decade of 
investing of um, not just investing them theologically, not just investing in them in helping to develop spiritual disciplines, but just helping them to walk out the practicalities of what does life look like as a believer in the world. The other way that I minister to women at Ninth and O is um, Rose, you and I and Beth Blackwell are co-directors of our women's ministry. And so now we have the opportunity to especially work towards discipleship of the the women in the church as a whole. And that especially takes place through our discipleship groups on Wednesday night, where we are being intentional in bringing together many different generations, women from all different backgrounds, all that comes together to build relationships, but at the same time, to invest in them together, doctrinally, to invest in them together through practical application, through really good theologically sound books that are specifically for women during our spring semester, and then um, in the same studies that the men are doing in their small groups on Wednesday nights in the fall. So those are the two main ways. I will say, as I thought about this question, that I meet with different women in our church almost every week and sometimes multiple times a week. I will meet with women for coffee. I will go to lunch with women. I will sit in their homes. Women who either have wanted to get to know me or I've wanted to get to know or might perhaps need some counsel to deal with different areas in their lives. And so in that way, I'm continually investing in the lives of the women of Ninth and O. And it's such a joy and a privilege, such a privilege. The Lord has just blessed our church with some of the most wonderful women I could imagine. So you are both a pastor's wife and a faculty wife. And we talked to your husband a couple months ago, talking about his role as a senior pastor and a Mm -hmm. professor. So what is it like balancing those two roles as a pastor's wife and a faculty, faculty wife? And how does one impact the other or does it? Yeah, uh, you know, we've balanced this life since 1991, um, where he has held two jobs. And when we went into this, I knew that much of the balancing was going to be played out in my world by helping him to guard his time to protect our family. And, And he wants that. This is not something I took on because you know, I'm going to rule his world. It's because he asked me because he's got so many responsibilities, keep me accountable for our family, which I've done all through the years. And then I've always stayed involved in both worlds, more so in the church world. Not that the student wives and the faculty wives and and all are not a part of our, my spiritual family, because we're all believers, but the church family, I would hope they would all invest Um, as faculty wives in their churches, which is God's creation. And then I invest the majority of my time into our church at Ninth and O, because this is where God has placed us. And this is my local church family that I can invest in. As far as impacting, I think the area that is impacted the most and, and the direction in which it goes is I think Uh, I teach in the Seminary Wives Institute at Southern, and for I've been in in that ministry for 22 years. For the last 20 years, I've taught a course on discipling women. And so being actively involved as I am in the discipleship of women through the local church has definitely impacted my ability to communicate within my course to seminary wives, future ministers' wives, what that ought to look like according to God's word, and how can we practically work it out in a variety of circumstances. Because I've done this Since um, 1991, actually, I started discipling women myself uh, when I was in college. And then when we were, when we entered into our first pastorate, which would, oh my goodness, that would go all the way back probably 35 years. So that really helps me. I think first the church ministry grounds me so that I'm not living in an ivory tower. Um, And then it helps me help those women that are future ministers' wives understand that the seminary community is a wonderful place to be, take advantage of it, grow in it, take those classes in Seminary Wives Institute, but this is not the real world. 
The yeah. real world for me is every day when I walk through the doors, every week when I walk through the doors of our church, every text message I respond to, every phone call I answer, um, every face that I sit across from drinking coffee. Actually, I drink Coke Zero. They may, they may be drinking coffee. All of that, <laughs> that's, that's the real world. And I'm, it's such a joy to be able to be not only in ministry to the women of our church, but in ministry to our seminary wives, where I can help them understand what real ministry looks like in a real world. So how, Jalen, have you supported Dr. Cook as, as his wife, as a pastor's wife, faculty wife, various ways? You mentioned some of them. How do you support him and how has that changed over the years? You know, it, it has evolved. Um, when we began this life, we had three children. <laughs> Actually, we began with two children and um, then we added Paul into the mix. And so now they're all grown and I have seven grandchildren. And so it has definitely evolved. We've got an empty nest and it looks a lot different. Um, the other aspect of what it looks differently as is that my husband has a degenerative retinal disease. And so over the last two years, my priorities have had to drastically change because he doesn't drive anymore. I am his eyes in many, many ways. And so as our children have grown and as we now have that empty nest, we're able, I think we, we always invested in ministry together. It's a partnership for us, but my role as a pastor's wife and my chief motto as a pastor's wife is that I need to be flexible before the Lord to do whatever is necessary so that my husband's ministry is glorifying to the Lord. That doesn't mean that my ministry is any less important than Bill's in the sense that the women of our church need me. They need me to minister to them. First and foremost, my husband needs me. And I think that's a very important ministry for a pastor's wife. But my husband stands accountable in a pulpit every single Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that that holds him so highly accountable to the Lord, it holds him highly accountable to God's word, and it holds him highly accountable to the people that we serve at Ninth and O. And so my priority is him first, and what can I do to help make his ministry in the pulpit, help make his ministry to our church members more glorifying to the Lord. And, and so it's changed through the years. You know, through the years, I held down the home front. But I've got to, I mean, my husband is one of the, he is the most humble man I've ever met. He is the most sacrificial man I've ever met. He sacrificed writing for decades until our children left the nest. He would write, but it would be very far and few between because he was, his goal was not to sacrifice our children on the altar of books. And so he put that off. And now as he's getting ready to finish up the most recent, which I believe is his seventh in the last very few amount, very short amount of time, he's done nothing but write, it seems for the last a little bit. Now, as he's getting ready to finish up that seventh book, it is such a joy to recognize that because he sacrificed like that, God has blessed our family and God has blessed our marriage because of that. And so my job has been in these last few years as he's been writing is to help make his writing a joy to help provide that extra time for him. And we're blessed with the staff that just walks right alongside me in that. Nice. That's great. So flipping a little bit more towards your personal walk with the Lord and your personal individual life. I know you're super busy. I mean, we just talked about how you care for Dr. Cook and your family, but how how do you find time and how do you maintain your walk with the Lord in a very practical way? Maybe tips that you could give to those who find themselves super busy, juggling a lot of responsibilities. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was first married, I worked full time. I taught elementary school and we were in Fort Worth, Texas. And so I literally would leave the home at 7 a.m. 
And I didn't get home till five or five thirty in the afternoon. It was quite a drive. Texas had quite a freeway system. And so, you know, just driving there took a lot of time to get where I wanted to go. And so early on, I kept thinking, well, you know, when life slows down, I'll do more. And I kept waiting for life to slow down. And, you know, I'm 62 years old and life has not slowed down. <laughs> it just hasn't. And so as time has gone on, there have been so many things that have helped me to remain in God's word. One is the fact that not only can I read God's word, but I can listen to God's word. I love the fact that uh, our church right now is reading through the Bible, through the most important chapters in the Bible that lay out the gospel and lay out the whole message as we go through. And so I mean, if I don't have time to sit down and to read it, there's there are multiple opportunities throughout the day for me to be able to listen to it and then go back. And sometimes on those days to listen to the same chapters multiple times mm -hmm. so that if I got distracted during the first go round, I'm able to go back and listen to it again. So I think there are so many ways nowadays through technology that we can actually grow in ways that years ago we didn't have available to us. Though I must admit, when we first married, we owned an entire set of cassettes of the Bible <laughs> on tape. Do y'all remember that? Yes. I do, yes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, then, but then you had to carry with you a little cassette player that ran on batteries. So it was just so much harder to do and you couldn't just put in the chapter or the book, you know, now I can pull up on Google and, and say, Hey, Google, you know, I need Job chapter 38 and up it comes and I'm mm -hmm. able to listen as I go. So that's one way that I do it. Another thing is just the accountability I have had of being in discipleship groups has been incredibly important to my spiritual growth because the accountability of reading, of studying, of being able to practically apply for the purpose of being able to share with other women in my group has been tremendously helpful in my spiritual growth. And honestly, I think women need to look for opportunities that they can be involved in some form of small group discipleship. It's just incredibly important. Listening to podcasts. I've been listening to you girls, man. I'm ready to go watch. You can't take it with you. <laughs> you know, I listen yeah, I listen to your podcast. And so all of those things, women today, we don't have an excuse not mm -hmm. to grow unless we are so distracted by social media, unless we are so distracted by all the other things that we can do with the technology that we have that we just become spiritually lazy. We've got the time with the technology that's available to us, but are we too spiritually lazy to actually use that time for spiritual growth. I like what you said about being willing to go back and listen to it multiple times. Even if you, if you got distracted the first time, because I tend to get kind of fatalistic. Like if I can't absorb it and have this meaningful quiet time for an hour, then I just give up. And I think it's a good reminder that you don't have to absorb everything right away. Um, if, if you do get distracted or if something comes up and you have to get pulled away, then you can go back to it and listen later on, especially if you've got an audio Bible. It's a good tip. Mm -hmm. So, Jalen, you're a leader. As a pastor's wife, you know, you're figurehead of sorts, but you're also a leader in the women's ministry. And you're also a leader in our, in our BFG, or for those who don't know what that means, that's our, our women's Bible study group. So you are the director of our class. So you've, you wear many hats at Ninth and O. How do you seek support? You are responsible for so many people and encouraging them and leading them. But when you're struggling or if you need guidance or advice, how do you seek out support for that? Oh, wow. You know, the older I've gotten, the more transparent I've become. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I know I need I need other people. You know, I started off as, it, when, when I was young. It was kind of like, you know, I've got to keep up this brave face. And I didn't let as many people in. And I should have. Um, and so I learned from that, but you can't, as a pastor's wife, I can't let everybody into my world, especially into the more personal areas of struggle, mainly for the protection of my, my husband, for the protection of my family, if there were areas like that. But I have always had friends in the ministry that God has given me 
And the older I've gotten, the more I have recognized how important it is that I have sisters in Christ, some that are much closer than others. And you two are two of them. Rose and Heather, you've, you've walked through some really difficult times. Renee, our executive pastor's wife, is another one that walks with me through um, issues that I can't tell anybody else. If there were issues that we're praying for, even for church members that are just breaking our heart, Renee and I can pray with one another in a way I can't pray with anyone else because we have to, there are so many things we have to keep confidential. But just the example of the 11 months we walked through my mom passing away um, on hospice um, when she got COVID and died last year. You know, I, I couldn't have walked that road without you girls. I just, I couldn't. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would call Rose crying from Florida, uh-huh. you know, and I was like, this is hard, uh-huh. you know, or I stood in the middle of our BFG and I just weep because I had just gotten back and the week was so hard on me. And so I, I, I am the first to say we cannot walk this road alone. We aren't meant to walk it alone. That's why God has given us the body of Christ. That doesn't mean we spill our guts to everybody out there. But it does mean that when we're in a small group, generally what happens is the Lord then allows, it's kind of like as Jesus called the 12 disciples, he then called three out of those 12 who became his closest compatriots. Um, He was discipling them, but they became his closest friends, his inner circle, so to speak. I've got an inner circle and you two are part of it. Mm -hmm. And so everybody needs an inner circle. Well, it's an honor to be a part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned our BFG or Bible fellowship group for those who are not at at 9th and 0, but our ladies class is very unique. It's a very unique type of small group in a way unique from the other groups we have at Ninth and O. Can you talk a little bit about that class and how it started? Oh, absolutely. You know, we had not had um, just a, a class reserved for just women. Um, there was a trajectory that it was there when Bill and I arrived. And, and we were going to let that play out in a way that would help us learn the needs of the church, help us see what the needs of the church were. And then begin to step in and uh, throw out ideas as were needed. There was one women's class and those were senior adult women. And it was natural for them because a lot of them were widowed and they didn't have the same kind of relationship with the other women as they did with one another is, you know, it's kind of how life circumstance draws you together. That's why at ninth and O our BFGs are basically for the married couples. There, there are certain age spans that those BFGs, G's include because uh, let's face it, you know, if you are a young mom who has little preschoolers at home, you're going to connect most quick, quickly with women in your same life station. But what began to happen is we began to have women who would come and maybe they were married, but their husbands weren't believers. And so they would go into a married couples class, but it was difficult when we would have fellowships together. Um, It was difficult as they would listen to watch the women interact with their husbands. Not that they were bitter, but there was a loneliness that we could not feel for them in a married couples class. We also had a couple of women who experienced divorce. And once they were divorced, they felt very uncomfortable, almost sad to be in a couples class. And it wasn't that those couples weren't reaching out to those women. It wasn't that they weren't seeking to love those women where they were. You just can't change the circumstance of those women once that divorce goes through. And they're dealing with the repercussions. So I began to share with my husband um, about those needs that I began to see in those women. And those women were looking for other churches. They were looking for places to go. And after prayer and discussion with Bill, not finally, but in God's timing, he said, you know what? Start a class. Go ahead. And so myself and another staff wife at the time, Jessica, and uh, two other women who were singles at the time, we started our class. We started with a very small group. We have, oh my goodness, it's probably been in existence 
18, 19 years now. Mm-hmm. We kept those women that were going to leave us. I went to them personally. I sat down with them. I said, I know you've got a need. I want us to, we're, as a church body, we're going to meet that need. I'm going to start a class for women only. And man, it's just blossomed from there, hasn't it? Yes. And the Lord has brought through our doors so many women that have needed just, they've just needed the support of women who have walked their difficult road, who can love them and say, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus is enough. Um, all of those things. It's just been such a joy. Um, and you guys have been a part of it for many, many years. What makes it unique? What is it that about our class that's different? Can you pinpoint one thing that... <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Several things Um, that makes it so different. I think there's an incredible bond among the women in our BFG because so many of the women in our BFG have experienced difficulties in their life, difficulties that most believers don't experience. Mm -hmm. And so that makes us unique in that sense. And so I think another thing that makes us very unique is we are multiple generations within our BFG. And often, We draw younger women whose lives have been difficult or who are looking to even learn how to minister to women who are in difficult places. Or, you know, I think of Audrey when I think of that missionary kid has a heart for women, not afraid to to do the hard things and say the hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, very practical. I think um, we've had to learn in our BFG how to be very practical in meeting needs. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we've always done it perfectly, but I think we've grown as we've gone along. And so I think all of those things are what make us unique. Most of our women live alone. And so you think about the uniqueness of those circumstances and the loneliness that they experience and the connection that our women need to other women because they go home alone every day and they need to know somebody cares about where they are when they miss. Uh, what can we do to help you? And um, if you're in crisis, that kind of thing, it does make us, it makes us unique. I could probably speak to this personally, but I would love to hear you share it, Jalen. How our small group ministers to others like a family. I've been a beneficiary of that, but um, I think I would love to hear you speak to it as well. You know, I, I, I think one way that we minister as a family is that we truly are sisters in Christ. We do the best that we can to develop and deepen our relationships so that we can speak truthfully to our sisters in Our Lady's BFG so that we can give them a place to speak about the hard things in their lives and know that they are not going to be condemned for it. Know that they're going to be given practical application, uh, practical ways to walk through it. God's word is very important to us. I love it that we're going through John. I can remember, you know, can you, uh, you girls can probably, can you remember years ago how you would never get a comment Uh I mean, any question you all would act when you would teach, but now, Uh I mean, they're all responding. Uh They're reading God's word. They're learning God's word. They're, they're able to take God's word and apply it to their lives. And they want to share about what God's doing in their lives. And I think uniquely in our BFG, and that's not to say, uh, you know, as a pastor's wife, I know that there's heartache and pain in families where there are husbands and wives uh, dealing with children and all of those things. But I think being able to walk through difficult circumstances with people who don't have anybody else to walk through it with them has been a unique experience for us. And the experiences with our NRBFG span the gambit of of suffering. Uh And we have had to enter into one another's lives and take responsibility for one another in ways that I don't think either one of us, any, any of the three of us could ever have imagined as we've stepped in. I know I've had to grow in ministry in order to walk alongside these women 
I'm grateful that I have the two of you to walk alongside them with me. And God has added to our number women with different life experience who are really good at what they do and what they know Mm -hmm. and what they are able to um, give counsel on. There's almost, uh, I'd say at least once a week, we're all crying. (laughs) Somebody's hurting, you know, because somebody's struggling Uh and, 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 and we weep. I mean, we truly take, you know, we weep with those who weep and we, we are joyful with those who are joyful. You know, we rejoice with one another. We weep with one another. I think the greatest joy of being able to serve the women in our BFG is just to do life with them. And they all do life with one another. Our care group leaders are tremendous. Uh Um, I never have to worry about where somebody's at because those care group leaders know where they're at and they're keeping up with them and they're encouraging them through written notes or they're encouraging them through text messages or phone calls, all of those things. It takes a huge team in our BFG to keep us going. Don't you think? Yeah, I agree. One one cool thing about our class that I love is especially lately, it seems like even more that the older women are really starting to gravitate to the younger women and help them along in their situations. And I've seen that happen a lot more than I have in previous years. And that's just a really exciting thing to see. There's a lot of spiritual mothering going on there and mm-hmm. it's exciting. That's right. Um, it's well, you not know, just calling on the leaders to do that. It's everybody. Absolutely. And let me just add one thing to that. You know, it, when Paul wrote the letter to Titus in the book of Titus in the new Testament, He wrote it to instruct Titus in how to disciple the church. And one of the reasons he did that, we see in chapter two, is for God's glory and that the church would be a gospel light in a lost and dying world. And I look at our ladies BFG and I think about the fact that so many of them have so much contact with the lost and dying world, either whether it's through their work whether it is through their families, their neighborhoods, whatever it might be. And so part of our job in discipleship, as it was Titus's job in the church on the island of Crete, is to help our women and our church, the women in our church, to grow spiritually because the health of the church goes along with the health of the believers in the church. And so we need to disciple the believers for the glory of God for the health of the local church, and that we might be a light in a dark and lost world. And I see that as a mission for the women in our BFG. I see, I'm like, I'm with you, Heather. More and more, I see women who have not stepped forward previously, who are now stepping forward and saying, you know what, I struggled in that area too in my life. But let Uh me tell you what God has, how God has grown me. Let me tell you what the word of God says to us in that circumstance. I know what it is to walk through suffering. Let me help you walk through your suffering. I want to empathize, but I also want to help you grow through it. And so absolutely. And I think it's really cool too, to go along with that, not just even spiritually, but just tangibly physically um we recently you know shared in the loss with Lindsay, our friend Lindsay cook and our audience knows her with her mom and how our ladies just said you've got 20 moms now you Mm -hmm. know and i think that's not only spiritual but just if they if she needs a mom you know a shoulder to cry on a person to call she's got moms around her that's right. Fill that fill that void now that she has lost her mom very unexpectedly. So yeah, I think it's it's really cool to see the growth. And I think just us talking about it today has brought to mind how much we have grown as a class Absolutely. and how, how far we've come from. Absolutely. And you know, it does it shows too what happens when women are able or any believer is able to walk with a group of believers over a long period of time. Mm. Mm-hmm. like we have, you know, yes. um, it allows us, we have, we've had so many different experiences together. We've learned so much about God's word together that there is a bond that cannot happen over a short period of time. It's a bond that has happened because we have stuck with one another. We have walked with one another through dark days and we've 
been able to laugh with one another. I was thinking about um, everybody. I had to miss this last Saturday getting together, but I was jealous. I couldn't be there listening to the rest of them talk about it. You know, mm -hmm. it makes me, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like I've never lived near family um, and not since we married. And I used to get really jealous of listening to my brother and sister, my mom and dad and their families talking about when they got together because I wasn't able to be there and I really wanted to be. And so now I'm like that with our BFG. If I have to miss one of our fun get together, you know, one of our fun times of building community together, yeah. I'm like, oh man, I wish I'd been there. I feel like I let, I got left out of it, but you know, so I try to be at everything because I want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to laugh with them. I want to have those memories and share with them. That's what a family is all about. Right. That's, that's what we are. So obviously with every small group, there's sticky situations that come up. So what kind of advice can you give maybe other women out there who might be leading a small group when, when things get a little sticky, like somebody gets angry and they leave, or maybe we see someone in, in a sin, or someone says something unbiblical right in the middle of a small group discussion, and we've got to juggle that, you know, what kind of yeah. advice can you give to other ladies out there who might be dealing with leading a small group and don't know how to handle those kind of tricky situations. Oh yes. And, and they come up all the time, you know, in everybody's church, it's yes. just happening. It's going to happen everywhere we are. So I think one of the first things is not to be so full of ourselves and so full of pride that we forget who we were before Christ, that we forget that not everyone has had the advantages that we have had to grow in their faith. You know, it's just so good for me sometimes to, to, to be reminded that God has just providentially allowed me to grow spiritually through a 40-year marriage to a very godly, theologically minded man who loves me so sacrificially. And not everyone has that advantage. And so I think humility is so necessary to lead. And we all, the three of us know that because we're led by a very humble staff. The staff members that we have are humble, humble men. And so nobody's ever going to know it all. Nobody's ever going to have all the right answers. And as soon as we realize that, then we're ready to minister. Because it's when we think we know it all and we've got all the right answers, that's when it's all going to blow up in our faces because <laughs> we're going to find out we don't. I think a second thing that we have to remember is we've got to develop incredible patience. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is where everybody else is spiritually. And so there are going to be those women that come into our lives who have not had the opportunity to grow spiritually as we have. Oftentimes, they're going to come in with very little theological understanding. They're going to have very worldly philosophies about how to deal with different areas of life. And that's why we disciple. That's what discipleship is all about. You know, whenever I am confronted with a comment from someone that I'm thinking, wow, that, that's just really unbiblical. <laughs> you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is where has she come from? And what is our goal of where we want to see her go hmm. spiritually? And so that ought to cause us. And sometimes you, you know, the three of us, we, we almost do like a rock, paper, scissors as to who's going to get that one. <laughs> well, there's been times I when I- I can remember telling, there's been there's many been... times I've said to both of you, to get on the phone with them, or it's your turn to meet with them for coffee. There's, and, been, uh, yes. there's been times where I texted Rose from the podium asking for help because someone asked a crazy question or someone said something <laughs> off the wall. And yeah, you know, like, and it you happens in here. <laughs> yeah, and it happens to everybody because we've just got to remember that a church is like a family, and every family is made up of people at different levels of maturity and different levels of knowledge. And so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we will be able to be, to release our frustrations and to recognize there was a time in our lives that we had less knowledge. There was a time in our lives that we were less mature and there are still times we sin everybody sins. Mm -hmm. And so, so humility goes a long ways. Patience goes a long ways. 
in, in dealing with that and recognizing we cannot solve spiritual problems in anyone's life overnight because we can't solve our own spiritual problems overnight. <laughs> you know, think about sins in our lives that we have battled with for a very long time and we're still battling them. And so we've got to keep that in mind as we minister to women. We need to think about the fruit of the spirit and, and are we exhibiting the fruit of the spirit to those women? Love, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. And listen, faithfulness is really important because are we faithful not only in our walk with the Lord, but are we faithful to walk with those women as long as is necessary? And we see the fruit in their lives as we've walked with some of these women for so long. You know, we see that. Let's talk about yesterday, just sitting yesterday with sweet Sally and hearing about her trip back home and how she was able to share with her home pastor what a joy it was to have been a part to be a part of not only our church but of our small group guys that's just such that just brought me such joy and Mm -hmm. I think those are God's little mercies I've heard Michelle say this Rose Michelle Castaño said this the other day and it just really impacted me sometimes the Lord throws us those little mercies to say you see invest 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 Uh and I will, and I will encourage you, but are you willing to invest even without those encouragements? And yesterday was such a, such a tiny mercy that God, that God gave us. Uh Um, And I think it encouraged her to be able to tell her pastor that, you know, it's her pastor back in Liberia because she's she's in Africa going back to Africa. Mm -hmm. And so, so what a tiny mercy God gave us and gave her because she's been able to see spiritual growth in her own life and be in relationship with us. So I think we need to look at that. You know, you do have, you do have times and you're going to have in every small group where you're going to have people that have very strong opinions, but in that session might not be the time to voice that opinion because sometimes those opinions can be very confusing to those that don't have the biblical knowledge that you might have, or even, even just life experience you might have. I'll just share with your listeners. It's, it's just wisdom is to tell that person. I can see that you feel very strongly about this and that you have really strong opinion about it. And I want to give you the opportunity to express that to me. So as soon as we're out of, as soon as we're done, I'm going to sit down with you with my calendar and you and I are going to get together and, and I'm, I want to hear you out. And so what that does is that allows them to feel that they're being heard. It allows you to pray. And by the way, discipleship group leaders ought to be praying before every group that God would just grant them wisdom, that spontaneous wisdom sometimes that we need. Mm-hmm. But that gives you time to pray before you sit down with them. And I found that when I've done that, sometimes God changed their heart before I ever had to sit down with them Mm. or he prepared their heart for what I needed to say, even if what I needed to say was hard, but it was the right thing. And so those are those things. Sometimes we're afraid to step out and speak up in the ways that we should, but we do have a responsibility to protect the other women in that group. And so I, I, you know, we don't have to do that very often, but there are times when I think a leader needs to have, needs to be willing to say, Hey, listen, I know you feel really strongly about this. We're going to set up a time. Let's get together. And sometimes I throw you guys under the bus and I say, (laughs) Hey, I can tell you really feel strongly about this. Heather's going to text you. (laughs) And And then I'm a deer in headlights. Behind the lectern. Yeah, for those listening, Heather's our apologist. So if it's a really controversial, yes. you know, um, a critical issue that I Let's need let to Heather in, deal with that. I said, Heather, this is you. So moving back out to larger women's ministry and local church has changed in the last 10 years, especially with COVID and the pandemic and everything that happened with that and everybody going virtual and then going back in person. What do you think women's ministries in the local church should keep as their top priorities now that we're back together again? Good question. Discipleship. Mm-hmm. That ought to be the top priority for every women's ministry. And I know that's ours. Mm-hmm. It's discipleship. 
And that's going to take place. And, and it ought to be, I think, discipleship on, on, on a couple of levels. First and foremost, it ought to be discipleship in a small group situation as for as many women as we can. Not every woman can do it. We've got women that work nights. We've got women who have very, very, very busy lives. But I think we provide the opportunities for that. I mean, even during the summer, we don't do discipleship groups during the summer, but we do summer book chat. And so we encourage our women, we're going to read through one book together during the summer. And then we come together at the end of the summer for an event where we all get together in small groups that are multi-generational. That allows them to meet new women within the church, but then to discuss what God had been teaching them during the summer as they were reading that book. And so discipleship is going to have to be the top priority of every women's ministry. Every culture hangs on to and and does things differently. We're not a truly Southern church in the sense that, you know, we don't do teas and I'm not against those. If that's the mm-hmm. way you build relationship, do what builds relationships. But if that's the top priority, and I'm, I'm not going to apologize for this, the top priority needs to be the spiritual growth of the women in our churches Absolutely. because The world is changing quickly and Mm -hmm. since COVID faster than we could have ever imagined. And the job of the church is to disciple the church that we might be a light for the gospel in a lost and dying world. And so we had better get a handle on what that looks like Mm -hmm. and have a plan. We really need a plan. But I think it it not only does small group discipleship matter, we need relationships. Um, I think that's really um, our BFGs, I think, provide that. Whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're in Our Ladies BFG, at night I know those BFGs are the first level within our church for building relationships. Because you're with people kind of in your like station, Mm -hmm. like area of life, and you need that encouragement. And so we need relationships. We just provide another level at ninth and O through the D groups so that you're, you're developing multi-generational relationships, but by far discipleship ought to be, we, we should not be dumb Christians and we should not be baby Christians. We should be growing. Mm -hmm. You're not going to make it in this world in the decades to come. If you lack biblical knowledge and spiritual maturity. It's going to be hard. So on that note, if there's a woman who is struggling to connect in her church, so if she's going to a local church and she's having trouble, whether it be Knife and Know or anywhere, or if she's even trying to find a church and hasn't been successful, what what kind of advice would you give her? I would say that whatever church they go into, first of all, get on the internet and look and see what they provide in a small group situation. What do they provide that provides discipleship? I think the healthiest Christians are the Christians that aren't just as Sunday morning church attenders, but they're literally investing their lives into the body of Christ into small groups. And every church's small groups look differently. And so I think you need to go to a website, you need to look at those small groups, and then you need to commit that you're going to give that an opportunity wherever you are. You know, even if it means you're going to visit several small groups, you're going to visit and you're going to find the right place for you because the church is meant for relationships. We're the body of Christ. You know, I cannot be an effective Mimi to my seven grandchildren if I don't have spend time with them and I don't have a relationship with them and I'm not investing in them. And we cannot be healthy Christians if we're not doing the same thing in the local church. And so we're all discipled. We're discipled every Sunday morning at 9th and O when we sit through the Sunday morning worship service. That's discipleship going on. When we read God's word, I mean, Paul disciples me every time I sit down and read through one of his letters in the New Testament. We're being discipled through God's word. We're being discipled through the preaching and our BFGs. We're being discipled right now through the book of John and the teaching and this and the and the studying that we're doing in that. So we're always being discipled, but discipleship also involves relationship and accountability. And you're not going to be a healthy Christian apart from relationships and accountability. And I know that people struggle with that accountability aspect, but it's not meant to be judgmental. It's meant to help us be spiritually healthy. So that's what I would tell them to do. They've got to find a church where there are small groups. They've got to find a church where the Bible is being preached. And and I would recommend expositionally, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. 
on a regular basis. Those are the things they need to look for. Yeah, I would add too that people need to be not be afraid to jump in um, because I've I've heard so many people exactly. that that dismiss a church or dismiss a BFG or a small group because they didn't feel like the other people reached out to them enough or they feel absolutely so I think it's a two-way street a lot of times and so many times solid wonderful churches and good groups of people get bypassed or dismissed because it was an off day and maybe they didn't get greeted yes and Heather to just to bounce off of that I can't tell you how many times my husband has I've heard him say to people so nobody invited you to lunch well how many people (laughs) do invite (laughs) <laughs> you know he, he always throws the shoe back on the other foot yeah. I, I think what we could say is too often or not we just would rather be consumers mm-hmm. you know we want to be the ones that are getting rather than those servants that are investing in the kingdom of God yeah we got to ask ourselves who do we want to be what kind of Christian do we want to be I'll tell you one thing the disciples were not consumers if they were then the majority of them would not have been martyred very true. And even just yesterday, I made the statement in our small group and someone said, sometimes I don't get a text all day long and pick up your phone and text somebody. That's exactly right. <laughs> you can do it. It works both ways. So I agree with that's Heather. Exa- that's exactly right. So this is going to be a hard question, I think. But what has been one of your most memorable ministry moments that you've had as a pastor's wife? Oh, no, that's an easy one for me. It's not really a moment. It's a period of two and a half years. And that was watching our Bible fellowship group come together as a, as a team to care for you, Rose. Mm -hmm. It was just, I had, I mean, I've seen it done, but most of the time that kind of ministry takes place over a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And so when we entered into that walk with you, from November of 2019 until you finally were able to come home. And even after you came home, we were still ministering. You know, we were still coming in. Mm-hmm. That was over two years. Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny because even some of our staff members would say, how many, how long, how many months has it been that your BFG has consistently without fail committed to caring for Rose? And I'd have to go back, you know, and use my fingers to to figure out how many months. I mean, that is just, that is the church being the church. Mm -hmm. That's the church. And it was a witness to the rest of of our church. Mm -hmm. It was a witness to all the people who cared for you in the medical field. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just watching our BFG day after day, week after week, month after month, and then into over two years saying, this is what it looks like to be a family. Mm -hmm. We're going to function like a family, even at a sacrifice to ourselves. Mm. That's that. I cannot think of anything in ministry that has ever reached that level of commitment for that long a period of time. I've never seen Mm -hmm. it before. Wow. Because most people who get sick, you know, they're, they're, you know, Mm -hmm. you have a baby, several weeks of meals but they walked side by side with you not knowing when the end would come i couldn't Mm -hmm. give them an end it's amazing and not just them there were many others within the church right that that were you know that were close to you that stood side by side with us but that is just such a testimony to me Mm -hmm. to say it was a blessing seems almost not enough you know yeah to think about it I just kept thinking it's gonna it's gonna end soon we'll be, I'll be back to normal and yeah it, it was such a, a blessing it was a very hard thing to accept you know that's one of those things you learn to accept you let down your pride and realize this is these people are loving you you know you that's know, right this is, this is the love of Christ and that's true. right so yeah that's awesome yeah. well, and as one that was part of that group I mean mm-hmm. that you know, it, it did seem like it was never going to end, but at the same time, it was just like, you know what, it, it was just another day and it wasn't anything, it wasn't drudgery, I guess is what I'm look, looking to say. No, we, we it did wasn't. it with joy and it was, you know, we had some good times too, Rose. I think yeah. this podcast would never have happened if right. you had not been right. laid up. So <laughs> yes, how the um, Lord, it was yeah. transformational for our BFG. Yeah, It was transformational because you look at our BFG now, they are different than they were before it all began. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. my always made it a commitment that anytime somebody was here, that I wanted them to leave fuller than they came, that that was yeah. my gift to them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I got to know people. I reached out to people I didn't know to tell them I'm praying for them. I got right. to know Debbie and Audrey and others who came while I was out simply because we, you know, I, I reached out to them. And so then they reached out to me and, and you know, we got to develop a relationship. So that's right. It's just, it's definitely a true, true blessing beyond what I could even imagine. Oh, that got me a little misty. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's shared experiences. I mean, that's what the church does. Jalen, thank you so much for joining us. And we, you know, we have a one single thought that we like to um, give to each episode. So it's kind of like the summary of what we're going to talk about. I you had a one final thought kind of sum up what you had to say today for our listeners what would you tell them i would say discipleship requires investment mm -hmm. but it is investment in other people's lives that not only is mandated by scripture but as you are helping others to grow you will grow as well it is well worth it it comes back a hundredfold that's good well thanks Shaylin. Well, Thank I you. love you both. You are so dear to me. And I cannot imagine doing ministry and life without you too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love you too. Wow. That was such a great interview. Yeah, that was really good. I love Dr. Cook's interview. I thought he was fantastic. And we really wanted to interview Jay Lynn, but man, she really brought it today. Yes. A lot of good stuff. It was just her passion for discipleship and for investing in women in each other, just in the body of Christ, investing in other believers and how important it is to be connected and to have that accountability. That's probably the strongest point she made there was right at the end about yep. connecting to the body and how important that is. You know, I think too, just hearing her talk about just the importance of discipleship and the importance of being in God's word. It's a challenge. It's, it's, she's really a, a, a mm -hmm. real good example of iron sharpening iron. I think she's an example to us to, to live that godly life, that pursuit. Yeah. Especially she's so busy. I mean, she does everything. And, she does. And which, being a Mimi, which yeah. is who she is as a grand, grandmother. Yeah. She spends a lot of time with her grandkids. And so, but she's always available when there's ministry needs. So Heather, why don't you tell us from Jalen's interview, what is our one single thought today? From that last point she made there, I think it wraps it up because it sums up her personality and her love for the body of Christ so well is that discipleship requires investment. And we've seen that played mm -hmm. out in our BFG and our Bible fellowship group, our group of women that mm -hmm. really investing in other people is what grows believers you have to be connected. If you want to grow as a Christian, you have to be connected to a church. Yep. You can't do it by yourself. It is not something to be done on an island alone. And if you, if you want to see fruit, if you're in ministry and you're in leadership and you want to see people growing, or if you lead to some, lead someone to faith in Jesus, it's so important that you continue that relationship and you help them get plugged in because as a new believer, they don't know how, and you are there to guide them to, re to reading the word, guiding them to spend time with the church and to get invested in the church. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. On that note, it is now time for our one random thought. So my one random thought today is working nine to five. What a way to make a living. You are now required to sing every <laughs> I can't guarantee that <laughs> but I'm going to sing as many as I can so if we look back in ancient times in the biblical times hard work wasn't just for the men in ancient Israelites household women were responsible for transforming raw materials into food and clothing and it's been estimated that every day it took women two or more hours just to grind grain to make flour wow. alone so women worked hard in the ancient Israelite household. And I think we see today women still working hard, whether it's inside the home or outside the home. So that is nothing new. Women were important wow. even in those days. So Heather, what's our Ricky thought for today? My one Ricky thought today is may you have as much joy as Ricky does when he gets to eat. <laughs> <laughs>
And it does tie into working for your food. True. Because Ricky, when I'm working at home and he's bugging me or whatever, I've got a little food puzzle. It's a little plastic tray with sliders on it. And I put the kibble in there and he can play with that and get the food out. It takes him some time to do it and it, it keeps him occupied. So he has to work for his food. So that's how I'm connecting that yes. to your father. He does. That's right. <laughs> yes. I usually do it in little scoops for like intervals of like 30 minutes over like two hours. I don't want him to gobble it all down at once. So in this plastic puzzle, I put a scoop of food maybe a couple times during the morning. Ricky expects it like he knows that it's it's time for it so he'll come over to me and just kind of sit there and wait or he'll start meowing and demand that I give him food in the puzzle so when I do that you know he's all excited and he goes run he runs to it well the other day I'd already given him one scoop and I was busy working and he had gone off and was looking out the window or something he was just calm and quiet and I realized that it was past time for me to give him his second scoop of food and so I go over and get the little cup of food that I set aside for the puzzle. <laughs> and I said, hey, Ricky, it's time to eat. And I shook the cup. No joke. That cat was like, <laughs> <laughs> and ran at breakneck speed <laughs> to his little food to puzzle. His food puzzle. <laughs> but the, the overflowing joy that, that came over that cat realizing that he was going to get to eat again was just hilarious because... It was like he screamed in jubilation <laughs> that he was going to get to eat. And he ran really fast. That just made me laugh. And I right away sent Rose an audio message. And I said, may you have as much joy today as Ricky does when he finds out he gets to eat. Listen, we all need to be that happy when we get ready to eat. I don't know. I just well, just in a, general. In general. Like, just I got be, up today. I got up today. And I'm real happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. So, Rose, what's our one question today? So our one single question today is, what is a lesson you've learned from Jaylen? One lesson that I've learned, and you and I, we've talked, we, we've learned similar things from Jaylen yes, yes. that we're going to talk about in a minute. But one thing she's taught me that maybe not so much directly, but just by watching her minister to others and to minister to the ladies in our classes, know when it's time to let someone go, especially in a ministry setting. And she did touch on this a little bit in her interview, but there's just times where certain people need to move on from either your scope of influence or from your group, your discipleship group. And maybe it's not always for bad reasons. Maybe mm -hmm. they're maturing and it's just time for them to move on to something different or they're going them into another area. But maybe it is for maybe not so good reasons that They've been pulled away. And as faithful Christians and as mature believers, we have a responsibility to lead the other women um, that may not be as mature. But there, there comes a point where you have to realize that it, you need to let someone go along their way if they don't feel they need to stay around. And mm -hmm. it's okay to, to let them leave. And I think that's one thing I've learned. I've seen Jalen do that a lot. We would reach out to certain people and they would they would stop responding or whatever and she would just say you know what it's just time to let them go and mm -hmm. we'll pray for them and maybe the lord will lead them back there's a time and we're not in control of that person and we're not responsible for them ultimately so it's okay to let them go along their way mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good one what about you rose so it's funny that the the lesson that i chose heather chose as well so we mm -hmm. both love this lesson from jaylen jaylen always says we would never choose our path of sanctification. Mm -hmm. So for the listeners out there, you know, when we get saved, when we accept Christ, we follow him, we're justified. We have justification. And on our way to glorification, when we get to heaven, is our life. And during our lifetime, we get sanctified and we go through sanctification. And a lot of things we go through in our lives that sanctify us are things we wouldn't choose. For example... I would not have chosen to be an amputee. And Jaylen will say, you know, we would never choose our path of sanctification, but that path is always the best. It's always mm -hmm. the way the Lord is going to form us and mold us into who he wants us to be. Yeah. And the first time I heard her say this when she was talking, I think she was talking to both of us at the same time about yeah. singleness. Mm -hmm. That's and true. She was, mm -hmm. And I don't remember exactly how she said it, but basically it was like, she said, it's okay for you to be sad about being single sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That you know, If that's something you want, if you want to be married and you haven't been blessed with that, then 
it's okay to grieve over mm, that, mm. but realize, you know, that's the way that God has chosen to sanctify you and that he can bring you joy through that sanctification eventually, but also making a point not to linger, don't linger in that sadness, mm-hmm. move on from it and grow through it. And I don't think singleness is about, we're going back into the singleness topic now, but <laughs> I don't think singleness is a bad thing. Um, I wouldn't compare it to something like struggling with a health issue, Mm -hmm. but there can be joy through difficult situations or seasons you don't want to be in in your life. You can find joy in those times and even in really difficult things like a physical illness, Mm -hmm. there can be joy that comes out of that. And that's one lesson I I think about that. That was years ago when she first said that to us. And Mm -hmm. I I think about that all the time and I've even repeated it to people that, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't choose where we are, how God chooses to sanctify us. It's different for everyone. And how you choose to handle it is going to say a lot about you and what's going to happen with, with your attitude and how you mature and I've always said that if the Lord ever granted me marriage, if that was his plan for me, that would be the hardest path of sanctification (laughs) because I've lived single for so long that going into a marriage, I'd have to learn how to compromise and Mm -hmm. be part of a marriage. So, yeah. Great. That was a great episode. It was. It really was. All right. We'll be back in two weeks on February 28th. We will be doing another installment of Movies You Missed. We will be watching A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's the Tom Hanks movie when he plays Mr. Rogers. Yes. I saw that movie. You haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm excited. So it's a good one. Yeah. So if you would like to watch that ahead of time, that is why we were giving the teaser. Yes. So I think it's on Prime and Apple TV to rent. Mm -hmm. And they might be out there in other places. Just do a little internet searching and you can probably locate that. All right. So until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 